Hey everybody, you are listening to the FYI podcast where we talk about faith, life, adulting, relationships, finances, oh my gosh, and so much more. I'm one of your hosts, Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally, and we're back, y'all. Another exciting episode dropped on Friday morning early to help you end your week strong and start your week off on the, your weekend off on the right foot too. Thank you for subscribing and sharing this. It really helps us reach more listeners with the message of Jesus. Yeah. FYI. Hey guys, quick update about this week's episode. So many of you have asked questions about dating and sex and relationships. And we had the privilege and opportunity of teaming up with Covenant Eyes. Uh, for this conversation recently on the Young Adults Today podcast. So we remixed it, remastered it, and reformatted parts of this episode to answer the question really how to overcome temptation and how to find freedom from addiction to pornography. So check out this episode. And babe, we're coming off of this past weekend. We were linked together at Lake Geneva for mm-hmm. the Young Adult Weekend in Minnesota, mm-hmm. hundreds of young adults. What was maybe one highlight for you? Oh man, I think just the hunger in the room. So we had about over a little little over 200 young adults coming together for the weekend. And it's just powerful when young adults are hungry for Christ and they want breakthrough, they want freedom, they want everything that he has. And when you're in worship together, there there's just a powerful sense of the presence of God there. And to me, it's just so exciting to see a generation that is hungry and wanting more. Like, that's what I kept hearing. Thank you so much. Like, I want more of God and more breakthrough, more blessings, more freedom, more fill in the blank. Everybody has their own thing. But to be in a room with that, that many people is powerful. So I know that you always have a highlight. Was there a specific highlight you want to get or share? Yeah. You know, worship encountering the presence of God was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the messages, all the speakers from Paul Allen, Logan Ketterling, Zach Wendell, you, uh, myself, it was it was fun. The breakout sessions from mm-hmm. Trey and Anthony. I think that um, one highlight though was just getting to pray with young adults at the altar times, mm-hmm. seeing people encounter the presence of the living God. And it's so exciting today to be joined by Covenant Eyes Director of Recovery, yes. Sam Black. He's also the author of a brand new resource called The Healing Church. You're going to hear at the end of today's episode how you can get a free copy of The Healing Church book. So stay tuned. Um, Really excited about this resource. And who's this episode really for? It's for anyone wanting freedom from addiction, believing for breakthrough Mm -hmm. in the area of accountability, freedom from the pit of pornography. And so we're going to hit all those topics, but we just want to say welcome, Sam Black. Thanks for joining us. Josiah, Micah, thank you so much for having me here. This is just an exciting opportunity to have a a great conversation and lean into the healing that God wants for each of us. He is not satisfied with uh, meandering through our life. He wants to bring wholeness to our lives in every dimension. And uh, I'm I'm just excited for this conversation. Me too. Amen. I am so excited for this as well. And for those of you who don't know what Covenant Eyes is, we're just going to unpack what it is, how you can download it, how you can put up some guardrails and protection for your literally your eyes that affect your soul and your future and your life and your singleness and your engagement and your marriage and your children and and so far beyond. So what Sam is doing and what the team is doing is just incredible. So Sam, can you just like recap the story maybe of your life, your journey, and maybe how you got to where you are today? Maybe just take a little snippet and just bring us in on that. Wow. That's, that's going to be a lot to cover. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I wrote a, in my story is partly in the book, the healing church, what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it. And uh, you can download the first chapter for free at the healingchurch.com. And, and as you said, there's going to be an opportunity to get free books, but this is a very limited time that we can do this. So uh, be sure to, to hit that link and collect that. Um, you know, God uh, takes our maladies and can turn them into ministry. He's not afraid of our sin. Wow. He's to enter in with us. And and through that transformation, God takes that those wounds and those hurts and those, those that sin in your life. He flips it 
and allows you to enter not only into his grace, but uh, the Holy Spirit empowers you to want to give that away to others. And so um, I was exposed to pornography at, a, at, a, at the age of 10, um, and, and it had such an impact on me. I can tell you a full story about that, uh, how it was introduced. But I also had a friend, and even though I can't remember anything else about that day, I also had a friend that he had pornography that was falling out of his closet and I could take anything I wanted and I did. And so pornography would follow me from middle school into high school, from college and into my marriage. Uh, another part of this, and this is the, you'll find that I'm just talked about the three commonalities that people get stuck with early exposure the ongoing repetition and often some pain, some wounds and hurts in life. And so I came from a violent home where even though it was a Christian home, it was hypocritically violent and I could turn and run to pornography whenever I felt fear or frustration or anger. And so that those three elements combined together to build a stronghold in our life where when we get to adulthood, we're like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Why do I seem to stay here? And how can I even begin to take my first steps toward freedom? Because I've promised myself and I've promised God, and I've promised others that I would never go back. And yet I keep coming back. Why is that? Why do I seem to struggle so much? And so often in the church, we have just struggled to really answer that well. And depending on where you're at in what church, it might be that, hey, this is just a struggle that we all have to deal with. And we might have to deal with this for the rest of our lives. You're just a man or you're just a woman and et cetera. But I want you to know that real healing, real transformation and real freedom and sobriety from pornography isn't just sort of this dream. It is a reality. You can have that for yourself. Amen. Amen. And we're going to talk more about that in mm -hmm. just a few moments. And um, I think you hit it mm -hmm. so, so well, Sam, to, to talk about. I, I've We've done college ministry. Um, we've done young adult ministry with a local church. And now we lead a nonprofit young adults today. And um, especially on the college campus. Mm -hmm. I remember meeting with a, a campus pastor here at the University of Minnesota. And he told me before I even started campus ministry, he goes, oh, with young men, exposure rate is 100%. You mm -hmm. know, usually we talk in one-on-ones and, oh yeah, about 100% of mm -hmm. young men have been exposed to pornography. And I think sometimes the myth sometimes is that it's just men. And so it's men, it's women, and I just love to to dive into this as we kind of unpack a lot. We're gonna mm -hmm. uncover a lot fast, but you know, how do both men and women get stuck in the pit of pornography? Well, it is that that simple, uh, unfortunately tragic formula that I just uh, expressed. That early exposure creates a foundation upon which other beliefs and behaviors are built, and so with. Uh, it's very hard for a child to look away from pornography, especially modern pornography. And we've been, you know, since the advent of the iPhone in 2007, the exposure to boys and girls to pornography at, at early ages, often long before they even know the basic understanding of sex is, has been just through the roof. Mm -hmm. So we know that 93% of boys, 63% of girls have been exposed to pornography. And if we think that's an old figure. And so uh, with the we have the world's largest library of pornography ever created in the history of mankind walking around our, in our pockets. Mm -hmm. And often parents have believed the myths that my child would never be curious. Like I was curious as a young man, as a child. Uh, that if my kid just, my kid is such a good kid that they would just look away if they saw something inappropriate, even though they have never had any instruction about that. And the measures I have in place are good enough. In other words, I just look over my kid's shoulder and that's that's enough. And so uh, we have left our children. And, and number four of that is we don't, we only need to worry about our boys. We don't need to be worried about our girls. And that's yeah. just a fallacy. Right. And so we need to understand uh, that it's so very hard for a child to look away, especially when they don't even know the basic mechanics of sex and they, mm -hmm. and they see something and it triggers uh, our natural neurobiology. 
And every child is naturally curious about what the opposite sex looks without clothes. And today's pornography is often violent, debasing. So it becomes shocking even for a child seeing that. But they may naturally be curious and want to see more. And so that neurochemistry uh, is very pronounced. Uh, dopamine loves novelty, something never seen before, even shocking things. And uh, there's a fight or flight sense it comes in. And so although that neurochemistry that happens is a major reason why you ask any adult where they first saw pornography, and they can likely tell you a story about that day, even though they can't remember anything else about that day. Wow. And with that ongoing repetition, it builds, I know, and we know that adolescents and teens are among the most prolific users of pornography, and that builds neural pathways in the brain that crave it more and more. And if, especially if they're using pornography to anesthetize emotions and, and bad feelings, uh, to overcome drama or trauma in their life, they uh, people often seek things to manage their moods, to, again, anesthetize those emotions. And those three things really combined to create like a, a cement shoes that mm -hmm. just keep you stuck in place. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, we're definitely talking about a hot, heavy topic, and it's it, unfortunately, it's probably not going anywhere with the exposure that we have. And just keeping in mind that every single person walking around with a phone in their pocket, I've heard it said it's pocket porn. You can walk around, you can watch it anywhere, you can do whatever you want. And how our minds and our brains and the things that we take on from traumas to triggers and everything in between, right, our upbringing, what we're exposed to in the household or anywhere else. How do we as people like unknowingly wire our brains from ongoing porn use and how can God come in and restore and rewire our brains? Because we have the power of negative thinking or positive thinking, but when we're seeing through the eyes and it's going to our brain and it's actively taking roots in us in some ways, how have we poison the water hole, essentially. And how do we start that healing process? Yes. Oh, and this is hard for a lot of people to, as they're listening to this, it's like, oh, I've, how, how am I, I'm stuck here. Why do I seem to stay stuck? And as we talked a little bit earlier, and there's a lot to this that I explained in the book, and I really explain a lot of this in the healing church so that ministry leaders can have a greater empathy and understanding for those who are stuck in this. And why do they seem to keep going back even though they know that it's wrong? And that's why the purity sermon often doesn't help very much because men and women already know they need to be pure, the Christians in the church, and they want out but they're stuck in what I call the porn rut. And because this has been going on over time, often by adulthood, this has already been going on for maybe a decade or more because of that early exposure in child in, in their childhood. And so the, I have it four pieces to what I call the porn rut. And the first part is after the brain has seen so much of this and created neural pathways in the brain that crave it more, that they become very sensitized. And so sensitization says, um, when I see something, it is very hard to turn away from that. I, I'm easily, there's lots of neural pathways that seek to run toward pornography, toward that excitement. I'm easily turned on. And it's very hard for that brain to turn away. And that's why, you know, this, this might sound very, Hey, Sam, aren't you talking about a lot of neurobiology and, and this, well, God created our, our hearts and our minds and our soul. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, our, our whole, we are wonderfully made, right? Mm -hmm. And so understanding how God created us simply says, uh, God created sex. He made it beautiful. He made it so that, that when uh, in marriage, as God designed it, we cleave to one another. We mm -hmm. want more of each other. And pornography is not sex. It's a hijacking of what God created. And so that first part, again, is sensitization. It's very sensitive to it after so, so many excursions with it. And the second part is triggers. And I call them C triggers, S-E-E. -E. They're social, 
emotional and environmental. Mm. And so a social trigger might be that uh, others are showing pornography or you're in an environment where you see things uh, that are quickly triggering. Uh, it, emotional parts might be that you had a bad day at work or you're angry. Uh, I hear from many people who say when I, I struggle most with pornography when I, when I become angry or disappointed mm. Um, etc. And so they run to anesthetize those emotions. The third part is desensitization. The brain has seen so much of this pornography. And so it's always looking to up the ante to find that original high. So their tastes and desires expand with pornography. There's a saying uh, uh, that if something has been made today, Pornography has been made of it online. Mm -hmm. Whatever genre there is, something has been made of it. I don't. I don't talk about the individual genres because there's no sense of, of that sin and pornography is sin, right? We just we mm -hmm. need to recognize, regardless of what it is, and it's often said that this desensitization will take you to places where you never thought you'd go, do things you never thought you'd do, go places you never thought you'd go, pay a price you never thought you'd pay, and hurt people you never wanted to harm. And so pornography can be very destructive uh, to the person in their, of course, in their mind, body, and spirit, but also people are losing their jobs because they, they're so uh, struggling so deeply in this porn rut mm -hmm. that they can't. And stop. And that's the number four part of this is that compulsiveness, the compulsive part of the behavior. Maybe your your brain works very well to say no to certain things, but when it comes to pornography and things like that, it's very hard to say no or to turn away. And uh, so that compulsive nature begins to overwhelm our thinking brain and the feeling brain is what's taking such control. Mm -hmm. And so it is pornography has corrupted us in mind, body, and spirit. And to begin overcoming it, we need a mind, body, spirit uh, process to find that freedom. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally, totally. And, uh, you know, it's it's Romans 7. It's what Paul's talking about. I think so many people feel stuck by doing what they don't want to do and what they hate to do and not doing what they want to do. And just this vicious mm -hmm. cycle that you've, you've even highlighted Sam the the brain chemistry and some of the biological and, and chemical reasons why this addiction um some call it mm -hmm. like more addictive than drugs because mm -hmm. they're it's just so enticing and so um such a stronghold for people as well even mm -hmm. on a, a chemical level and a spiritual mm -hmm. level and um one one question that I'd love to to unpack and I know that you cover it in uh, the healing church, which mm -hmm. we're excited for people to listen to the end and get their free copy mm -hmm. um, for the first hundred listeners of Young Adults Today podcast. And I'd just love to ask, because even in the church, mm -hmm. sometimes people get uncomfortable or, or they squirm or, or they feel like, well, I haven't found freedom myself. So how can I lead other people where I haven't been? And, and it, true, true, true. And um I'd, I'd love to know because even among pastors, young adult ministry leaders, people investing yeah. in the faith of the next generation, um, this can be, you know, the, the, the strongest man in the world. Mm -hmm. Solomon, he had, or um, uh, sorry, Samson, he had this struggle mm -hmm. and, and, you know, yeah. the, the wisest man in the world, mm -hmm. Solomon, he mm -hmm. had this struggle. And so it's age old and no one's immune. We're human. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd love to know just some of your studies and research. You found that porn is impacting ministry. And I'd love to for you to, to talk about what is that impact. And I'd also mm -hmm. like you to hit with that, what helps to hear for the pastor, for the ministry leader, and what hurts to hear? Like, how can, how can um, the pastor find freedom and how can they lead people to freedom as well? Mm, that's good. We just should read the whole book. I think that'll cover all those different topics that we, we just said. That would be. <laughs> so, well, Sam, I've been known to to do what's called the double question or, you know what I mean? So I know I load them sometimes. I'm aware, but I, I love to maybe push it a little bit and, and try to uncover maybe one step deeper or something that you 
now that you've read the book that's coming out, like, I wish I would have said that. So, yeah, thank you so much. I think that one of the first th one of the things you've said that's so powerful is pornography is impact is impacting every ministry within the church, but we typically only address it in the local, you know, uh, men's Bible study or something like that. That's where it gets isolated, right? The men's retreat or something. We might talk about it there, might. But we need to understand that it's impacting our children's ministries and our teen ministries, our men's and women's ministries, our marriage ministries. Just think about, uh, we've, we've just talked about the average age for first exposure, depending on which study you're looking at, is somewhere between the ages of 8 and 12, right? Mm -hmm. And so those boys and girls are growing up having not only seen pornography, but often going back to pornography. Mm -hmm. And so it has been creating a stronghold. And so that's impacting our women's ministries. It's impacting our marriage ministry. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, communication mm -hmm. and how to love one another in our marriage retreats and in our, in our marriage Bible classes, et cetera. Those are all valuable. They're all true. But if we're ignoring how pornography is undermining each of those kinds of ministries, then we're going to find that we're in ministry spinning our wheels. And so we don't need to leave this off and hope that it will take care of itself. We need to really lean into that with some empathy and create a safe place mm -hmm. and a safe process for people that say, yes, pastor, yes, ministry leader, I am struggling in this way too. And uh, this is, and and I'd love to, and thank you for being, creating a, a vulnerable and open place where I could say something for the first time to really talk about this for the first time and where there is a safe place and a safe process regardless of whether it is a lay person or whether it is someone in ministry the same process applies yeah mm -hmm. we have often excluded the christian and especially the ministry leader but often when you come into christ when you come into the church We've often simply said that old stuff has gone away. And, you know, I've heard repeatedly over and over that people put down cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and, and other things instantly. And God can do anything. I absolutely believe that with all my heart. He can heal people of pornography as well. But what he often does is calls us into a relationship with his body because authenticity builds an intimate connection that is contagious and it's empowering and within a safe place people hear you are a person and not a problem mm -hmm. uh, your identity is found in christ and not in your sin and so they often enter hopeless but discover that god can renew their mind body and spirit and so with a safe place and a safe process, I get to be discipled. I get to learn. I get to grow. And you say, well, uh, Sam, all you need is uh, to read your Bible more and read scripture more. And then those things will simply go away. But I have found over and over again that Satan has used our mind, body, and spirit the way he has helped corrupt them with this is so difficult to overcome. Mm -hmm. I was speaking to a, a Christian leader who said food and sex are among the most difficult addictions because we need food and we are sexual beings and you can stop taking the alcohol or stop taking the heroin, but sex and food are issues that must be tempered and redeemed and renewed. And so within a safe place and a safe process, you really get to take those first steps because I don't know how to take them by myself. I've created a cage of my own making. I've laid it block by block and bar by bar. I close the door, lock the key, and I throw away the key. And by the way, nobody keeps the key. And what I need is for uh, Josiah, for you to come alongside me and say, Sam, I'm going to walk with you on a journey toward freedom. Mm -hmm. And it, it's discipleship. Mm -hmm. Because up to my own devices, I will go back to what is familiar yeah. and what is easy. 
And uh, when I have a bad day or when I feel bored or when I feel angry or I feel like whatever else is going on in my life, I can run to that sin that was so escaped, as such as an escapism from whatever I was feeling. And Josiah, you walk with me and say, hey, Sam, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you doing? And what are you thinking of doing? And as we, as I am open and honest with you about how I'm feeling, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, then I can really press into that next step where you're saying, okay, here's the next step we're going to go for. Because what we find is that when we go through a safe process, not only do the thing, the one thing that seems so concerning, my pornography, if I could just get rid of this, I'll be so much closer to God. What happens in that process is all the other corners and closets begin to open and light up. God doesn't want us simply to be free from pornography. He wants us to live in total wholeness with yeah. him. Yeah. Yep. It's good. That's so good. Oh man, there's so many things to unpack here. And I just want to just lean into the moment. If you're a pastor listening, if you are a leader listening, wherever you're at, whatever role that you have within the church, know that you can seek out help. So you can trust that God is offering freedom and to know that there is a safe place waiting for you on the other side of you just admitting that you're choosing to fall short, admitting that this has become something. And also keeping in mind, if you're a pastor and a leader and people are coming to you and and revealing these things, don't act shocked (laughs) because our face can say a thousand things without saying a word. And really just keeping in mind that we all fall short of the glory of God and there is place for healing. There is place for redemption, but to know your place as a leader and as a pastor, when you do come alongside, I'm not saying don't come alongside people, but there are people who are in prayer counseling positions who are trained, who can help you walk through the deeper roots, the deeper um, traumas, the deeper triggers, the, the, just the process of like, know your role as a pastor that we're not psychiatrists. We're not psychologists. <laughs> a majority of us are not. So just keeping in mind, like, what is your pastoral role and what other help do some of these individuals need, whether it's you or someone else? Just keep in mind that accountability is amazing. Discipleship is amazing. Mentorship is amazing. But there's also other people that may need to go a little st- more deeply than just a habit that you're walking in. It could be some extreme traumas that you've been exposed to and just revealing those roots and replacing them with the promises and the word of God and just starting that healing process, I think is essential for all of us to be mindful of, aware of, and sensitive to, because we all have something and a safe place is definitely something that I think everybody seeks and desires. So, well, And Sam, I just want to talk about something in Micah, because I just believe that the message of Jesus brings hope and help and Mm -hmm. freedom and health and healing. And so to the person caught in that pit, I just want to say that Jesus came to set the captive free and make it abundantly and resounding clear that freedom from any and every addiction is possible through the atoned finished work Mm -hmm. of Jesus on the blood of the cross. And he also, like Sam said so well, he helps us heal in community. I think that isolation is one of the things that, you know, causes a pathway to we're by ourselves and the enemy is so enticing. Mm -hmm. Like when he picks us off by ourselves and when we're in community, I mean, that's how Jesus loves to heal and restore and bring community and bring accountability and you know, Sam, you're with Covenant Eyes and we are just such huge fans of the work and the ministry Mm -hmm. that Covenant Eyes is. And for the listener who doesn't have accountability software on their phone or on their laptop or on their device, and they might not be familiar with Covenant Eyes or some of the, you know, other great resources, um, you know, we've used them on our devices Mm -hmm. in our home. And I think the thing that is so helpful and so freeing is that you know what? There's her for in my life. I'll just talk for me for a second. There's Micah and I have two guy friends that any login information that I have for anything, they have access to. Mm -hmm. There is um, a report weekly that can get sent. So any, any website that I visit, any movie that I watch, 
um, any entertainment or all of those things. Um, it, it's part of healing is community and accountability and hard questions, self-reporting. Can you, but can you just go there for the listener and talk about what is some guardrails, accountability, and talk about covenant eyes as just an opportunity yeah. to be one of the tools in our tool belts that um, the Holy Spirit can use for ministry, for freedom, mm-hmm. for just um, accountability. Well, thank you for being so vulnerable and just talking about that, you know, using covenant eyes and on your devices, because uh, I have a, a, a number of guys that receive my reports as well. And I'm meeting with guys on a regular basis. Uh, I have a weekly meeting with a group called Samson Society, samsonsociety.com. Maybe you're like, hey, do I have someone I can uh, really be open with in my local church? Well, if you're saying I don't, well, samsonsociety.com can help you. SheRecovery.com is another resource for women where you can enter community uh, uh, with other women. Covenant Eyes provides a great app called the Victory App by Covenant Eyes. And within it, you can see ongoing your personal use of your devices, as well as everyone else that you hold accountable as well on, on their devices, you, who you have an ally. We like to say ally rather than accountability partner because an ally has your back. An ally wants you to succeed. An ally knows your goals and wants to help you. And so... With Covenant Eyes, you download the software to all your phones, tablets, computers, doesn't matter how many you have. And uh, then you also install the Victory app by Covenant Eyes. And all of the feed from the monitoring of, from Covenant Eyes goes into the Victory app. And as well as within the Victory app, which is free, uh, if you don't, even if you're not a Covenant Eyes user, you can download the Victory app by Covenant Eyes for free. And within there is more than 30 courses that help you understand how did I get here? Why do I seem to stay here? And how can I begin living in true and freedom? How can I begin healing from a mind, body, and spirit perspective and lean into the community of Christ? It is, um, you know, as, as min- some ministry leaders are listening here, we need to ask ourselves, what part of James 5.16 do we not believe? to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so that we may be healed. Mm-hmm. And there's a promise in there that uh, I, it's my part to do my confession, Josiah. It's your part to listen to me and hear me and pray for me. And God does the healing, right? Mm-hmm. But we have often limited, we've just, Josiah, you've gotten sidelined, right? I confess to God and in my secrecy, I am not receiving all the healing that I can yeah. have in the body of Christ. Yeah. So sin and shame and secrecy reinforce one another. And so if we want to really embrace that healing, we need to practice James 5.16. We can begin meeting with safe people, have these ongoing conversations so that we can teach, train, and disciple those under us that we can have those mentors in our own life as well. So at Covenant Eyes, we want you to have an ally. We want you to have someone that you're being open and honest with because shame knows you're powerful when you're honest. We can enter into that relationship in the body of Christ. This is God's Mm -hmm. church. God's church is his plan A, and that is the plan. (laughs) So you can go, well, what about plan B? Plan A, that's it. There's no plan B. (laughs) That's right. There's no plan B. You know, we are here for one another. Within our churches, it is important that we do begin leaning into creating a safe place. Mm -hmm. That's a safe Mm -hmm. process. And I show you within the the healing church, what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it, uh, how to begin starting small and build on those successes? How can you begin creating a culture? How can you begin creating a microcosm of safety that begins to blossom? And here's what I found that every church that I interviewed, I went to churches that were doing, this isn't just sort of ethereal, good ideas Sam came up with while he was driving down the road. I went and visited churches that were doing this work well. What were they doing different? And they were, it was amazing to see the outcome. Now, listen, you have to, this is very important. The sociological studies 
that the University of Oklahoma and others did found there was a direct correlation between pornography use and church attendance, lowered church attendance, lower, lowered uh, time spent with God in scripture or in prayer, greater belief in, or greater doubts, I should say, about my belief in God. Mm. Uh, it was, uh, there was a direct correlation that if I, the, between how much pornography I watched and how much I might volunteer in my local church over the next six years. All impacting the local church that was not addressing pornography. What I found in the churches were doing this work well, those who were leading in, creating a safe place, using tools that are readily available that I outline in the book, all those churches says, the, all the pastors says, I don't do more now. I do less. Like when I entered trying to do this kind of work, I thought I would just have to do more and more and more. And many pastors shy away from it because I don't have time to address this well. What they found was they, as they really did this work well in the way I'm outlining for the churches that were doing this, those pastors says, I do less. I don't do more. I have more volunteers. Those who are going through the process lean more deeply into scripture. They're mm -hmm. Deeper prayer life, their belief in Christ and their belief in how God is impacting every part of their life is growing daily. They were having, and and those disciples, by the way, were were giving back. Mm -hmm. They having had a spiritual awakening, they could not help but give that back to others. So it it strengthens and enriches the church in in ways that. Uh, if pastors uh, get when they read this book, they'll get an idea of, oh my goodness, I want I want people like that in my church. Yeah. Well, the way you get those people, they weren't born in that they were discipled. Yeah. Through the hardest things that they never thought, I'll never really be free from this. But when they find that freedom, they can help but give it away. Love it. So good. So encouraging. Freedom is available. And here's the moment that a lot of you guys have been waiting for is how do we get one of those free copies of the Healing Church book? If you visit the show notes, mm -hmm. um, whether it's on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're streaming, we have a link for a limited time. You can do it, do it now. And then also, if you're watching YouTube in the show notes, just click expand and we have a link. Mm -hmm. It says get a free copy of the Healing Church book today. And we're so grateful for Sam mm -hmm. and we just want to go one step deeper for the last five minutes. Um, this has been powerful, mm. powerful conversation. Yeah. Just clear on a message of Jesus that, you know, Satan comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, mm -hmm. to deceive, to destroy. <clears throat> yeah. And um, speaking lies, mm -hmm. very much speaking lies, holding people captive. And Jesus mm -hmm. came for life abundantly, mm -hmm. setting people free, freedom for those in captivity. And um he loves you and freedom is available. And uh, we're just going to, in just a second, Mike is going to kick off the five in five. We'll put five minutes on a, yeah. on the clock and uh, just oh, go one step go. deeper. Here we go. Before we go there, Sam, I have a, this is off the record question or off the script, the script question for the people who are parents listening, tuning in pastors, non-pastors, future parents, what mm -hmm. do parents need to be mindful of when it comes to accessibility on phones, accessibility on their TVs, accessibility, not only to the billboard life, but like in their own home, because that's where a lot of exposure can take place without parents knowing. And here's the example I've heard. So you can download an app on my phone and it looks like something, but when you click it, it actually takes me to pornography sites. What are some tips and tricks right, right before we go into five and five that parents need to be mindful and aware of when it comes to these hidden agendas of the pornography world that are taking our children captive without us being aware of it. Does that make sense? <laughs> Thank you for the, I'm just making a couple of notes. I, I think one of the biggest ones is it's not if, but when will your child be exposed to pornography because uh, children are handing this off as a relational, as a secret and destructive handshake from what to one another um it, to a secret club it is just um and so we need to have open and honest conversations mm -hmm. 
and so uh, children can become resilient to pornography, but our tactic as parents has been, if we don't say anything, then maybe they will never see it. But if I say something, then maybe they'll be curious. And it always is the opposite that's true. Uh, children who are well-trained, I always recommend a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, and Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior. I don't know if you've heard of this or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, it teaches them to turn, run, and tell. And so I've actually taught this, had a parent running to my booth and saying, hey, Sam, my seven-year-old was just exposed to pornography and I did everything you said to do. And they go, and, she, and I said, okay, well, what happened? She says, well, I'm going too long here. But uh, my seven-year-old was at my neighbor's house and their seven-year-old just received an iPad for his birthday. But the uh, child who's been trained, well, that seven-year-old says, hey, look what I found. And he holds up this iPod or iPad and says, look what I found. It's And the other boy goes, no, that's pornography. And he turns, runs, and tells. And so Again. with a little more investigation, they find out that boy has exposed children to pornography throughout the neighborhood, seven, eight, nine, 11 year olds. The only child who said anything was the child who'd been trained. Everybody else kept it their secret. So we can teach our children to be resilient to pornography, but we have to have that ongoing conversation to teach, train, and disciple our kids. That's good. That's good. Amazing. So if you're a parent listening, proactive. When you want to lean out because it's uncomfortable to you, <laughs> Lean in and listen to them and teach a child in the way they should go. And that is to turn from sin and run to Christ. So thank you for going there, Sam. I just know that we have two littles in our house. They're only two and three. One's going to be two in August. So it's like two girls. So I'm like, I'm already concerned about everything and all things worldly. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't hide you and put you in a bubble, but how can we train you in the way that you should go? Exactly. And how do we set these things up when they're young? So it's, it's in them. So they know what to do in those things. Not if, like you said, when those things come our way so or their way. So thank you for going there. If you're a parent, you lean understand? in when you want yeah. to lean out. So yeah. don't be scared of the conversations that make you squirm. <laughs> it's good. It's good. And Sam, we're just going to take the next five minutes. We'll throw five okay, minutes up here we on go. the clock. And uh, five questions, a little bit rapid fire with these. This has been such a helpful conversation that can bring healing and hope and yes. freedom. And uh, if you know somebody who's struggling, this is a great episode to share. If you know mm -hmm. a pastor who just has a burden for this and they're looking for resources, um, tell them about the copies that are available at the Healing yeah. Church. And uh, this is this is great. So, so excited. Yes, Nina. But question one of five. Okay, here you is, go. Why do you believe the faith of the next generation, young adult ministry is so important? They, they're carrying the torch. They're carrying the torch to the next generation, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I, as as uh, someone who's a little older, I can't carry, I can only carry the torch so far. Mm -hmm. uh, we always hand the baton backward. And the, then that runner runs forward uh, to hand it off to the next generation. And so we need to be handing off that baton. Amen. That's so good. All right. Question number two, what is the best advice you've ever been given? A wise man learns from his mistakes, but a wiser person learns from another. <laughs> Josiah's favorites. Oh, so good. <laughs> two wise men right here on this podcast. That's a good quote. <laughs> powerful. It's powerful. Okay. Here's the curveball: is yeah. if you could ask Micah and I any question, um, what would you want to know today? Who is in your life that you are speaking to with honesty and integrity? Mm, you want to go first? Sure. Hopefully everyone. <laughs> hopefully everyone. Honesty and integrity on a deeper level, Micah, mm -hmm. unquestionably. And then I mentioned earlier a group text that I have with two mm -hmm. brothers in Christ, best friends. We keep each other accountable. There's hard questions that pop mm -hmm. up in that group text that we got to, you know, sharp, uh, as iron sharpens iron. Yeah. One sharpens another. And, and those guys have been, um, I think for all of us through thick and thin, through births and deaths, through through it all, like um, mountaintop moments, mm -hmm. valley low moments, mundane in the middle, 
you know, these guys have just burnt in like, they've just really been there for me and yeah. Lord willing, been able to be there for them. But I'd say that's how I approach that question. Uh, definitely. So glad we have that treasure. That's just so important mm-hmm. that we yeah. have people in our life that we really dig deep to everything that we're struggling with, everything that we are in rejoicing with, all the things mm-hmm. come, we get to live life together. Yes. And I would say for me, I think like Josiah said, I always say like, what you see is what you get with me just as a leader. And as a person, I'm like, I'm real raw, authentic, um, pretty transparent when it comes to certain things and willing to share anything that God's been doing in my life with others. But aside from that on a deeper scale, I think Josiah is definitely one and really growing a relationship actually with his two friends that he's known for years, the three of us wives get together and we have this ongoing, um, that's was not Snapchat. What's that called? Marco Polo, where we're just informing, like, how can we pray for each other? What is challenging this week? Like, we're all raising kids. We're all married to pastors. We're pastors' wives or pastors ourselves. So really just being real and raw and authentic and just being like, here's what it is. Here's what I want to see God do, you know? So to have those people. And aside from that, it's like my sister, like I can call her like, yo, Brittany, she's not in ministry, but she gets my heart and she knows. So she can see some blind spots that maybe she's seen longer than anybody else in my life. So to have those people, I think is definitely just a blessing and almost unheard of. So if you're listening and you're in ministry and you're discouraged and you're a pastor that feels like you don't have any friends, start praying that God brings friends into your life that you can be real, raw, and authentic with. And you can't be friends with your entire congregation like you can with a small group. Jesus had the 12, he had the three, and then he had the one. Like start praying those people because I know ministry can be lonely. You can feel like you're isolated. You can feel like you're the only one walking through X, Y, and Z. And that's where the enemy wants you to stay. So I just pray. We always pray for pastors. So we just pray as a listener that you would be encouraged to lean into your own messy, but also invite somebody in on the process. If that makes any sense. And just you, know, you guys are cheating on the whole one minute thing. That's <laughs> our, our time doesn't count against yours. It doesn't count against you. <laughs> However, um, one thing that Mikey, you just said, uh, our prayer is that you'd have friends that would last a lifetime yeah. relationships. And I mean, even deeper is, I think we, we teach people and we preach the messages about like, making the first move. And if you're a leader, it does not need to be lonely mm-hmm. and become a person who's committed to making the first move. Mm-hmm. We're all looking to actually, we probably all prefer reciprocating. So do the hard thing and initiate, initiate, initiate yeah. that yeah. friendship, even this afternoon, even today while you're driving okay. back to now you, Sam. Term. Sam, we're back to you. That's good. Oh man. What has been in your heart for young leaders lately? Has there been anything that God's been stirring or downloading when it comes to leadership in and of the next generation? Admittedly, the healing church, what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it is, you know, been top of mind for me. So when I think of young ministry leaders, I often hear, I did not learn any of these things that you're talking about in the book, whether in my Christian college or in my seminary or in other, you know, from other ministry leaders. When I've gone to um, uh, ministry or denominational conferences, this these pieces were not shown to me. So mm-hmm. uh, I I might have gone from uh, when I was in middle school, I thought, well, when I get to high school, this issue will no longer be a problem for me because I'll be around people who are more mature. Or when I get to my Christian college, uh, this will disappear because I'll be around other Christians and I'll have such good influence that this struggle will, will disappear for me. And that didn't work. And then they thought, well, when I go into ministry education or seminary, I'll be able to find freedom from that because I'll be with others who are, are finding that, uh, that freedom and I'll, I'll lean into that. And when that doesn't work, they end up in in missions or ministry leadership. And what I must encourage you to do is lean in to it now within a safe place and a safe process because you uh, can live and not only live in freedom, you can begin Mm -hmm. your relationship, your ministry will become more and more on fire and alive when you face these kinds of issues well with others and when you do that well you not only find healing in your own heart but you give that healing to others so i encourage you to 
you know, I'm not really trying to sell copies of the book, I guess, in a sense here. I want you to really have something like this. That's why we're giving it away here for free is for you to lean in here. This is mm -hmm. your opportunity to really dive in because that understanding that knowledge precedes understanding and understanding precedes change. So I'm calling on you really to lean in here. Take this opportunity. It's amazing. Sam, the, how we like to close this podcast is just with a word of encouragement. We look to the maker of the hills. He's the lifter of our heads and offers so much healing that we've talked about today, freedom that we've talked today, but one piece of either advice or encouragement. If we handed you the microphone and asked you to encourage the listener, what's on your heart? You as a ministry leader, hold the keys to giving that freedom to others. And you need to experience it for yourself as well. Yeah. And it might not be pornography. Maybe it's anger or pride or uh, fear of failure in front of others. Maybe it's any number of things. But regardless of what it is, that the same discipleship process is there to get there. And so uh, I encourage you to be to dive into these pages because they will allow you to really take that concerning issue that you'd really like to be free from, that you find freedom for, for moments of time. And that really what you want to do is have that freedom that lasts mm -hmm. and Christ will bring that freedom to you. But you're going to have to be able to lean in, not lean in alone, but lean in with others. I love it. What an amazing episode that we were able to just tune in with Sam Black with Covenant Eyes and the releasing of the book, The Healing Church. And we all need healing. There's all something. And I just encourage you as a listener to, to get one of the first downloads, to get that book, to get that resource in your hand, to be a tool that can help strengthen you or the people around you. So Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Honor to be with both of you. Thank you so much. And by the way, uh, that's not a download. You actually get a physical copy of the book. Physical. There's, yes. Even better. There's no gimmick. There's no uh, handling cost or postage. We're going to pay the postage for you. So just click that link, get a free copy of this book. Uh, and I just pray that it will be the, an amazing blessing for not only you, but everyone in your ministry and under your care. Amen. Amen. And Sam, thanks again for joining us. This is the FYI podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share this with someone who is maybe needing freedom and breakthrough in their life and their purity.